Good afternoon, and welcome to Bible Quest, the Wednesday edition. I'm Jeff Smelser, and with me is Chase Byers from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. You're looking at Joe Works, and he's a lot further away than Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Good afternoon, Joe and Chase. Hey, how's it going, Jeff? Where are you, Joe? I am in uh, Mozambique, capital city of Maputo tonight. Capital city is what? Maputo. Maputo. Is that how you say that? Yep. And you said tonight. What time is it over there? Uh, It's uh, 9 o'clock in the evening. It's, It's nighttime here. And that's down along the southeastern coast of Africa, kind of facing Madagascar. Yeah. So if you would, uh, if, if you had a map and we're looking at Mozambique and Madagascar, right in, in between those two is the Mozambican Channel. I'm at the very bottom of uh, Mozambique. So, it, like, if I just went out into the Indian Ocean straight out, I would just miss Madagascar. So we're. We're going to be talking about fellowship today, but let's take a minute. You, you are over there to see um, about the brethren in Christ who are there and how they have been affected by a cyclone that came through there recently, I think. Right. Yeah. March 15th, a uh, terrible cyclone, uh, Cyclone Idai, I-D-A-I, uh, struck Mozambique and actually went all the way across the country and even went into Zimbabwe and had its effect there. Um, and just great devastation um, in, in a large area of the country, already a very poor country, but uh, just hundreds and hundreds of houses, thousands of houses destroyed. Um, and uh, uh, I don't know how many deaths, but the deaths have multiplied more recently because of the cholera outbreak as a result of the uh, tainted water. So. Do you care to share, as far as the brethren in Christ there, how they have fared uh, with respect to the cholera outbreak and uh, some of those things where there have been fatalities? Sure. So I don't know of any deaths among the saints here. Um, I've not been told of any uh, or of any major illnesses amongst them. Uh, There is a tablet that you can put into the water to make it uh, drinkable. Uh, it's called Certeza. And so the places where the cholera is the worst, um, some brethren in the U.S. and Portugal and Brazil and other places as well, I guess, have uh, sent some money over so that the, the brethren could help to afford to, to buy those tablets to avoid uh, the cholera outbreak that's uh, going on. Now you mentioned Portugal and Brazil in connection with Mozambique, and there's a connection in uh, amongst those countries, and it's the reason that you in particular are over there. You have a connection with Mozambique, having gone there to preach a few times, and that is because you know their language, and it's the same language spoken in Brazil and Portugal. And the languages, of course. Portuguese, yes. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, Mozambique was, uh, was colonized by the, the Portuguese during uh, whatever century that was when uh, Portugal was a seafaring country and dominating the, the oceans, and uh, they colonized uh, countries around Africa. Uh, Mozambique was one of them. Well, you're headed home. God bless you in your travels. We'll be glad to have you Thank back you. here in, in the States. Um, but I know you've been an encouragement to the brethren over there. Um, we're going to talk about fellowship today, and I want to encourage our viewers to uh, chime in, send us your comments and questions as we do so. Uh, we've not been on Facebook the last two or three weeks. We had trouble two or three weeks in a row 
getting our feed to go, our stream to go live on Facebook. And so we've been going to YouTube the last couple of weeks. We thought we'd give Facebook a try again today, and it's working so far today. Uh, so be sure and send us your comments, and, and we'll try to get to them in the webcast today. But guys, as we talk about fellowship, I'd like to start. What Here's kind of the layout of, of the, the discussion today, how I have it planned in my head. We want to talk about what, what the concept is. What is fellowship? We're going to talk a little bit about the meaning of the word. And then secondly, we're going to talk about, okay, now that we know what the word means, what about fellowship with God? What does the Bible say about that? And of course, that's going to be through Christ. And so we're going to be talking about fellowship with Christ. And that ultimately is going to bring us to a discussion of the Lord's Supper a little bit. So that's the, the plan for the talk today, for our study today. And, and we need to move through this, but I want to spend a few minutes uh, talking about the, just the meaning of the word. And here's why I want to do that. Guys, when you hear the word fellowship, what context do you hear the word fellowship in? Usually when I hear the word fellowship, it's in reference to chicken um, and a chicken dinner. Or oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Good. Okay, yeah, this, this some, some, some sort of have this wonderful fellowship. Yeah, yeah, some yeah fellowship hall. We might have heard the yeah. word used. Yeah, and then in a in a doctrinal context, we sometimes hear the word fellowship, where people are debating, well, who can I, uh, who do I have to sever my fellowship with because of their doctrinal error or something? That's really not where I have in mind going today. Uh, what I really want to talk about is the idea that fellowship means sharing. And that there, there are all kinds of things we could share in, but when we talk about sharing with God, that means something. When we talk about sharing with Christ, that means something. And those who share with Christ have responsibility to share certain things with one another. That's, that's where I'd like to go with this. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to talk a little bit about the meaning of the word so I can get this hammered into our heads. But you, Joe and Chase, your, your task is to make sure that I don't spend too long uh, putting everybody to sleep talking about the meaning of the word. Can you handle that? Yeah. So just to be clear, it does not mean two fellows in a ship, right? <laughs> Thank you. <Chase. laughs> All right. Good. Well then take it away, Jeff. What do you got, got for us? Crack team here. <laughs> All right. Um, I am trying to get this. There we go. Slideshow. Slideshow. Uh, my screen's messing up. There we go. From beginning. Let's do that. Uh, whoops, that's not what I want. Fellowship. Can you see the word fellowship, guys? Oh, I'm not sharing my screen, am I? Okay, let's let's share my screen. Okay. Can you see the word fellowship now? Yes, sir. I see it. All right. So let's look at the, the Greek word would be koinonia. And let's make it so that everybody can read it in English letters. Koinonia, like that. And this is a word that more people are familiar with, or at least uh, the word family, they know they are familiar with it. Um, Chase, you're studying Greek right now, right? Yeah, and we would call what I'm studying Koine Greek. Koine Greek. Why is it called Koine Greek? Well, here's why. Alexander the Great spread the Greek language all over the world as he conquered it, and it even spread over to Italy and became the language of the world in the first century. And so now what you have is a language that is shared or held in common by people in, in many different countries. And so the basic meaning of the word koine is common or shared. 
not common in the sense of plain, but common in the sense of community, common in the sense that many different people share this language. So I don't know. I, 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 don't, I think there are a lot of people who know the phrase Koine Greek who don't know that's what it means. It's the Greek of the period of time when Greek was a world language. So this idea of shared uh, ends up in our English versions uh, by way of some Latin words that have C-O-M-M in them. Common is one. We've already mentioned that. In Acts chapter 4, verse 32, the context there, guys, what is it? In Acts chapter 4, at the end of the chapter. Oh, well, we should be coming into, uh, is this when they were sharing all things and having all things in common together and laying things at the apostles' feet? Am I right about that? Exactly. And you quoted the end of verse 32. They had all things common. And it's saying they shared their material things. And that's a word, koinos. Here it's the, the neuter feminine uh, plural. And um, so it's koinos. But it means common in the sense of shared. Uh, the word communion in English comes from the same Latin word. And it's sometimes used in English translations to represent our Greek word koinonia. So, for example, in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 16. Can one of you guys get that passage? Uh, before our, our listeners here, First Corinthians yeah. 16. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 16 says, Is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ? Yeah. So where yours says sharing, the translation that I have in front of me here actually says communion. It's the Greek word koinonia. It means fellowship. Um, but what that means is communion or sharing. We're going we're gonna to come back to this passage in a minute. Think of the word community in English. And so it's, when we get this idea, fellowship isn't just kind of a religious term. It's sharing. It's possible to share in just about anything. And in the New Testament, we see people sharing in material things. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 18, Paul tells uh, Timothy, to teach those who are rich in this present world that they be not high-minded nor have their hopes set on riches, but that they be ready to communicate. They have their hopes set on God and that they be ready to, in the older translation, communicate. In a newer translation, what does it say? First Timothy 6.18. Because communicate, in, in modern English, that sounds like talk. Be ready to talk. But what does it mean? To, 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 to share, to, to, to. So do you have, one of you have a translation there in First Timothy 6.18? Yeah, my, mine says, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Ready to share, yeah. yeah. So the, the brethren that you were talking about, um, Joe, in uh, Portugal and in Brazil and wherever else who were sending some money, I think you mentioned brethren in the States also, to help right. brethren in Mozambique be able to buy uh, these pills that would purify their water, they were sharing in, in the funds needed to do that, right? Right, right. Okay. Yeah, uh, along with also purchasing food and other things that they're sharing in those things, right? In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 6, it says, let him that is taught in the word communicate in an older translation, but it doesn't mean talk to, it's the Greek word koinoneo here, koinoneto, let him share 
uh, with the one who teaches him. Mm-hmm. Um, in, you can share in business. There's a word koinonas in the plural, koinonoi, that means sharer, or the plural, sharers, or you could say partners. In Luke chapter 5 and verse 10, uh, James and John, and I think Peter with them, are mentioned as sharers in fishing business. They, they, they're partners in that business. You can share in being human. In Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14, um, Jesus became a sharer in flesh and blood. How does it say it? Um, usually oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, it says, would that be the part where it says he himself likewise also partook of the same? Yeah. Just before that, the first part of the verse. Since, oh, okay. Since the children share in flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so we can become sharers in, in just about anything. You can become sharers in sin. In 1 Timothy yeah. chapter 5 and verse 22, Paul warns Timothy not to partake of other men, men's sins, um, not to share in some, some evil activity, some sinful activity. If you do so, you're sharing in sin. You can share in grace. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 7, you have this word koinonas, with a preposition, you see it here, it's an S-U-G attached to the beginning of it. And uh, that's just a preposition that will have the idea of with or together. So you share together, share with in grace. And I'll get over there and read Philippians chapter 2 and verse uh, 7, if I can get there. Philippians chapter 2, you know what? I've got chapter 2, verse 7. I think what I mean here is chapter 1, verse 7, where it says... Um, even as it is right for me to be thus minded on behalf of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. So they partook of grace, he partook of grace, and thus they shared in the grace together. If we both partake of a slice of apple pie, we've got one pie there, or all three of us get a piece of that pie, we are partaking, taking part in, sharing in, that apple pie, we each get some of that same thing. All right. Jeff, several of those verses, my translation says that we are participants. Participants. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You're going to add something. I was going to say, no, we also have a comment on Facebook. Tim Modlin uh, comments and asks, is this the same word in Galatians 2.9? Uh, and, of course, this is where Paul is talking about uh, the, the um, you know, conundrum he ran into with Peter. And uh, it is, it is in fact the same word in Galatians 2, 9, where it talks about them giving to Paul. He gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. Yep. That's the word koinonias yep. uh, in Galatians 2, 9 as well. Good. And, uh, and I also got to thinking about it as well. Um, as you brought up first Corinthians 10, the idea of being sharers uh, with the demons. First um, Corinthians 10 uh, verse 20. Yeah. And I do not want you to become sharers in demons. And that, uh, I believe that would be the word as well. Actually in that context, now that you bring that up, Chase, his point in first Corinthians 10 is you're going to share in the blood of Christ. If you're going to share in the body of Christ by partaking of the Lord's supper, you can't also be sharing in the table of demons. You, you can't share in both of those things. If you share in the table of demons, you're not going to be sharing with Christ. Right. And so that, that speaks to the fact that there are some implications. Once we've got the meaning of the word down, there's some implications about our relationship 
with God through Jesus Christ. So I guess that's a good thing to turn to at this point then. What do you think? Yeah, go, yeah, go ahead. Go with it. Well, let's talk about fellowship with God. If we're going to talk about sharing with God, how can man share with God? Does man share with God? Does the Bible ever speak of man sharing anything with God? I'm going to call your attention to 1 John chapter 2. And uh, it's, it's really a marvel when you think about it. He starts out in verse 5 of 1 John. Did I say 1 John 2? I meant 1 John 1. 1 John 2. This is, and this is verse, ah, I did it again. First <laughs> okay. John 1, in the capital of Pennsylvania is Harrisburg. I'm going to get these things straight. <laughs> All right. So First John 1, verse 5. This is the message which we've heard from him and announced to you that God is light and there is no darkness at all. So that's, that's God. He's light. He's in light. He's not darkness. He's not in darkness. So the next verse just follows. If we say we have what? Fellowship. Fellowship. Sharing, communion. With him, but we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. You know, uh, Joe, right now where you are, it's nighttime. And where we are, it's daylight. So, um, you know, by, by, by means of technology, we could have a virtual stroll together, you in darkness and me in light. <laughs> but in reality, you can't do that. If, if, if we're walking along together, we're either both in the daylight or we're both in the darkness. When we're walking along together, uh, one of us can't be in light while one of us is in darkness. If I'm going to walk with God, if I'm going to share with God, if I'm going to be with God, and he's light, well, I have to be in the light. If I'm in darkness, I can't share with God. That's the idea in this passage, right? It's a marvel. And it, well, he goes on. Maybe one of you guys can read verse 7 through uh, 9. Yeah, it says, Beloved, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. I'm sorry, I'm reading in chapter two. I apologize. <laughs> I said chapter two. Yeah, I know. Contagious. Yeah, I think, sorry about that. I think you're starting, me. <laughs> starting in verse nine or in verse seven of chapter one. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. I guess let's if stop we, right there. Yeah. And you guys may disagree with me here, but given what he's just said in verses five and six, God's light. If we're in darkness, we don't have fellowship with him, with God. Then when he says in verse 7, uh, we have fellowship one with another if, if we're in the light, I take that to mean me with God, you with God, right? In verse 7? Yeah. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. I, I think some people take this as we, meaning you and, and I, have fellowship with one another. I think he's saying, I have fellowship with God. If I walk in the light, God's light. If I walk in the light, I have fellowship with God. What do you think? So you, you, may, you may have a good answer to this. In, in my translation, um, it, it says that we have fellowship one with others, plural, with with. with with one another, but the, the other there is plural. Um, I've only got a Portuguese translation with me, so uh -huh. uh, yeah. Um, yeah, and my question as well, Jeff, would be at the end of verse 7 when he says, and the blood of Jesus' son cleanses us from all sin. Mm -hmm. 
Who, who is he referring to? Well, it would be those who are walking in the light, obviously. That's at the end of verse 7. When it says, with one another, um, there, that's going to be plural, even if it's just me and God. And I'm not by that, but when I say that, I don't mean I don't mean that only I have fellowship with God. But if you're right. talking about if you're talking about two people who do something with one another, it's going to be this form right here. It's going to be this form, whether it's talking about two people or whether it's talking about a hundred people. Yeah. So when in verse seven, does your say we have fellowship one with another? Yep. And so the we would be us saints with God. Is that what you're saying? Uh, it could, you could say us saints with God, or it could be God and I. Um, but he does in verse six, he says, we, where it's us saints, uh, us people. So I guess I would take it as us people. Verse six, if we, we people say that we, we people have fellowship with him, God, and walk in the darkness, we, we people lie and do not the truth. But if we, we people walk in the light as he is in the light, we, uh, we people have fellowship one with another. So I, I can see why somebody would see that we and say, well, that's talking about the people, but the contextual argument seems to be God is light. If I'm in darkness, I, or we, if we're in the darkness, don't have fellowship with him. But if we're in the light, we have fellowship with him. And the reason we have fellowship with him, one another, is because the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Which goes back to even verse 3, uh, where he's saying that our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. And so yeah. he's making that connection with the Father and us, with Father and Son, in verse 3 and in verse 7, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. right. I believe so. All right. Well, that I think I think a lot of people do read this differently than I do. I think a lot of people don't see it as talking about fellowship with God. I think it is talking about fellowship with God. And if so, then the, the, the last part of verse 7 drives home the point, the reason we can have fellowship with God is because Jesus cleanses us from our sin. Yeah, amen. So sin separates us from God, and so we're not in fellowship with God. Uh, but we can share a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. So, so, all right, fellowship with God is possible uh, by Jesus Christ. But we can also talk about the question of, well, do we have fellowship with Christ or not? Um, right? In fact, you, you said, Joe, you mentioned verse 3, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Right. What would it mean to share something with Christ? What would that mean? Well, uh, my mind goes to Romans, the sixth chapter. Uh, Paul makes it clear that that there is a way that we can share with Christ, and it would be through baptism, and it would be through what these Roman brethren went through. Mm -hmm. So let's go over to Romans, the sixth chapter, and take a look at what's being said there. Um, You know, that's the passage where it starts out, shall we sin that grace may abound, as if the idea is, you know what, since God's doing us a favor, grace, to forgive us, the more I sin, the more the, the bigger the favor is. So maybe I should just live a sinful life, and that makes God's favor really big. And Paul says no. And then his argument is, is because 
uh, that old way of life, that old man has been put to death. How does he get there? How does he get to this conclusion that there's a death that has taken place, that 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 sinful way of life is no longer to live? We we crucified the old man. Uh, so, so now you're yeah you're now you're borrowing Paul's language in um, in uh, Colossians three yeah Colossians or Galatians two or here in Romans six six knowing this that our old man was crucified with him. Right. If I'm crucified with Christ, then I share a death with Christ. Right. And and Paul Paul gets there in Romans six by saying we become a part of Jesus' death when we're baptized into it. So verse two, we who died to sin, how shall we any longer live therein? Or are you ignorant that all we who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So you quoted the line crucified with him. We become a part of that death. We share in the death of Christ. Practically speaking, what does that mean to share in the death of Christ? Practically. Well, I, I think about what, what was said in the gospel of Mark of taking up our cross daily um, is the idea and, and dying to ourselves, our desires, our passions. Exactly. Would be the death we go through. Exactly. Killing uh, the old man. Or in Romans 6, 6, it says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away so that we should no longer be in bondage to sin. And then he says, and down in verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey the lust thereof. Neither present your members unto sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves unto God as alive from the dead. So practically speaking, it means my life has changed. I don't walk in darkness, to go back to 1 John chapter 1. I don't walk in sin. So sharing with God, having fellowship with God, is because of Jesus Christ. But to have fellowship with God by Jesus Christ, I have to share in Christ's death. And that means being baptized in Christ, but it also means, practically speaking, I don't walk in my sins anymore. I, I live a different kind of life. So fellowship with God, fellowship with Christ, um, it involves baptism. It involves a change in the way I live. Does all of that sound fair? Yeah. Could, would, it, would it be a stretch, Jeff? And feel free to correct me here if you see this uh, in a different light or if I'm going too far. Um, but even thinking about Paul's statement that it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, that I, I'm, I'm sharing my body with him. Uh, there's probably a better way of saying that. Uh, yeah, well, let's just go. I think it, exactly. This is Galatians 2.20. I've been, and he starts out with this statement that we're talking about. I've been crucified with Christ. I share in that death. I've been yeah. crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. And that life which I now live in the flesh, I live in the faith, the faith which is in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I think that is dead on exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, we had a, another Facebook comment from Tim Maudlin. He points out first Peter four, verse 13, but to Good. the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. Same, same, same word we're talking same word. about here. So, well, it's same word family. And it is the same exact noun that we're talking about when we talk about um, well, wait, wait a minute. Let me just check that real quick. Oh, I, I did. Yeah. It's coin, uh, uh, well, I get... Koino. Koino. Koinoniete. 
Okay, so it's the verb, but it is the same verb, which would be koinoneo, and this would be the, the plural form there. All right, good. Okay, so having gotten that far, then, then there are two things that, that I want to talk about in particular in relation to the subject of fellowship. One is baptism, and the other is the Lord's Supper. Um, if, if fellowship with God, a sharing with God is through Jesus Christ, and Paul says we are baptized into Christ's death. We become a part of that death of Christ so that our sins are atoned for in that, in that suffering when we're baptized. Then if I have not been baptized into Christ, do I share with God? Do I share in the light? Do I share, um, do I share this status of justification through Jesus Christ with those who are God's people? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I, another way I, I like wait, to think wait, about it. Wait, absolutely. Yes, I do. No, absolutely not. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I misheard your question, Jeff. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Okay. Well, then what I was going to say was completely off because I missed something. So go ahead. Well, I, 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 think I don't know. Oh, yes. Romans 6 helps us to see that because he uses that idea of, of communion. And uh, as we already talked about there, we are crucified with him, verse 6. We are buried with him, uh, or we die with him in verse 8. We're buried with him in verse 4. And all of that is connected to the baptism in verses 3 and 4. Uh, that's how that takes place. That, that ultimate, or the, the, the finality of that communion takes place when we are, are buried with Christ. And then he also talks about being raised with him uh, in those same verses. Yeah, verse five. We are raised with him. I think Chase, you may just not have heard the "not" in my question. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> That's all right. If we've not been baptized, do we share uh, this relationship uh, with God through Jesus Christ? Yeah, absolutely not. I'll make up my <laughs> put "not" there. Um, I did just go back to one idea with the fellowship with God. I mean, th yeah. this has always been a part of God's plan. It reminds me from the very beginning that it says that God, he made us in his image. God created man in his own image. And looking at this in Romans 6, those who are in fellowship with God are made in his image. And the way we're made in his image now is through baptism. We, we are raised out of the waters to walk in newness of life. Mm -hmm. That is how we were made in God's image now. And just, just as well as him creating us. And that's really a um, remarkable thing that the idea that we could, the, the, the deity who is responsible for all creation, all the universe and who is utterly righteous, who cannot lie and that I can share in the light with him. Yeah. And I, I I'm sharing in the image of God mm -hmm. through what I've done in, in baptism. It's profound. What is accomplished by the sacrifice of Jesus. Joe, you were going to say something. Well, I, I'm just wanting to come back to this idea of, of baptism. And if there is some way that we can share with Christ without being baptized, I guess I, and, and I hear people talk about that from time to time. I just don't know of any passage that uh, would, would allow that. It almost, well, I shouldn't say almost, it reminds me even of going to where you began in first John, people saying that they have fellowship with him, mm -hmm. but not following what he says, not walking in his light, but walking in their own conclusions. Exactly. Exactly. Now let's go to the other topic here that's related. And that's the Lord's Supper, because we were in first Corinthians chapter 10 a little bit ago. 
where we have the word koinonia or fellowship or translated communion in the American standard that I have here, the context here is, is idolatry, things sacrificed to idols. Paul is, is warning the Corinthians, you can't, you can't do that. He says in verse 14, wherefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, judge ye what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not a, this one says communion, it's koinonia, you can translate it fellowship, you can translate it sharing, is it not a sharing of the blood of Christ? We've already talked about sharing in Christ's death with Christ, but now we're talking about sharing in his blood. Jesus shed his blood, and symbolically we drink his blood, and thus connote the idea of becoming a part of him and a part of his death. And then he goes on, the bread which we break, is it not a, and it uses the word communion, it's the word koinonia, it means fellowship, sharing of the body of Christ. So in eating this bread, we are symbolizing the idea that we are a part of Christ's body. We share in that. We share with Christ, and also he's talking about the fact that you and I, it's just as if you and I both took a piece of that chocolate pie. We're not only sharing me with the pie, but you and I are sharing in that pie. And so here in verse 17, he says, seeing that we who are many are one bread, one body, for we all partake of the one bread. So there's an emphasis not only on our, in our relationship with Christ as we toward supper, there's also a, an emphasis on the relation that God's the relationship that God's people share when they all together partake of this, uh, this bread and, and the, the cup, uh, the, the body and blood of Jesus. I think a similar idea when Jesus was instituting the Lord's Supper, he says, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. A covenant is a relationship. It is a shared relationship between the, the two parties involved with the covenant. And in the case of Jesus, just like what we saw in Exodus 24, there had to be bloodshed to institute a covenant, and it was the blood of Jesus. And so when we as Christians are partaking every first day of the week of the fruit of the vine and, 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 the, and the bread, we're remember, remembering that blood of the covenant that we're sharing in with Jesus. So, so now, okay, that's a good point. And as we think about this in the context of the Lord's Supper, and, and what, we, what we're saying now, we, the Bible talks about a responsibility that God's people have to assemble together, Hebrews 10, 25, not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. The Bible talks about the responsibility that we have to eat this supper, the Lord's Supper. Um, this do in remembrance of me is the instruction. And so we're to do these things, and they mean something. Uh, when we come together and eat the Lord's Supper, we are, we are indicating a, a communion with God and with one another. And you know, there's the whole debate about closed communion and open communion. And I'm not an advocate of having armed guards make sure that only certain people get to partake. But I'll tell you a story. Uh, one time in a congregation where I was, um, there was a, a, an individual I was studying with. And uh, he was not a Christian, and he knew he had not become a Christian. And, um, uh, but he was attending fairly regularly, and he was there on a Sunday night. And this congregation 
you all, you all, I think, are well aware of my my thinking about this idea that we can serve the Lord's Supper a second time to just one or two people after the congregation has come together and eaten Lord's Supper together and shared in it. Now we're going to have one or two people at another assembly while the whole assembly sits and watches. You're going to have one person go up on the front row or have the, the Lord's Supper taken to him, and he's going to eat it by himself. And somehow, aside from everything else that's wrong with that, it misses the point of this being an expression of sharing together. Uh, you guys may or may not exactly see eye to eye with me there, but I think you'll see eye to eye with me on the circumstance that I'm going to describe. There was an individual who I'd been studying with. He was not a Christian. He was in the assembly on this Sunday evening, and as was the custom in this congregation, a brother got up who did not, who did not himself believe we ought to be serving the Lord's Supper in this manner to one person, but he was willing to accommodate others. And so he gets up, he says, is there anybody here who has not had a chance to eat the Lord's Supper? If so, raise your hand. Guess who raised his hand? The fellow you've been studying with. The fellow I've been studying with who did not share, he did not share in the light with God. He did not share in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. He had not shared in Jesus Christ's death. He had not been baptized into Christ's death, so he was not a part of Christ. And now he's raising his hand. He's going to partake of the Lord's Supper, which says, I share in Christ and I share with you all in Christ. Well, the custom there was that after somebody raised their hand, there would be a song sung, and then, and then whoever had raised his hand would be served. So as the song was being sung, I went over to this fellow and I said, hey, listen, the Lord's Supper is a statement uh, saying we commune with Christ that we share in Christ and you're not yet a part of Christ. You've not been baptized into Christ. And he said, Oh, oh okay. All right. So he understood perfectly. And so then after the song, the, the fellow who was up front again says, can I see those hands again of those who had not had an opportunity to eat Lord's supper? And now there were no hands. And so, so a, a mockery of the Lord's supper was thus avoided. But I think it would have been a mockery of the Lord's Supper for a congregation of God's people to serve the Lord's Supper to this individual who had not even been baptized into Christ and, and pretend that this is a communion with Christ. All right, that story is meant to drive home a point, and it's really the flip side of that that I want to talk about. Do you know people who have been baptized into Christ and don't regularly participate in the Lord's Supper with people who have been baptized into Christ. Yes. I know people who have been baptized into Christ and believe that baptism for the remission of sins is what the Bible teaches and that to have fellowship with Christ, I need to have been baptized into Christ. And they regularly and consistently assemble in a congregation where that is not taught and where the people who are assembling there have not been baptized into Christ and where they do not eat the Lord's Supper, or if they occasionally do eat the Lord's Supper, it's a bunch of people who do not share in Christ eating the Lord's Supper. To me, that just seems like it's plain as day. I am not fulfilling my responsibility to do what Jesus taught me to do. So I don't know if... Uh if I can make sense of this in my the thoughts I have running in my head, but the, the comparisons or the similarity in the act of baptism and the act of partaking the Lord's Supper, 
we are baptized into Christ's death. And in the Lord's Supper, we are having this communion with Christ and with our fellow saints as we remember his death. Right. There's, there's some very clear connections between those two. Right. Is it, is it because it's so much easier? Baptism is a one-time action. And then the partaking of the Lord's Supper with full meaning that I'm partaking of it with saints joining in this this fellowship, this joint participation, this communion with saints, that requires a, a, you know, a, a weekly uh, decision to, to do that. Right. Um, it almost makes me wonder if the, if the initial decision um, uh, has, has therefore you know, been forgotten or something. You know, you wonder, have they forgotten the significance of their baptism? But I like the fact that you're emphasizing there's a connection between these two things. In this chapter, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, these two things are brought together. Uh, you know, remember, Paul is, is admonishing the Corinthians, you cannot participate in idolatry. And what he's going to do in the first half of chapter 10 is say, look back at the Israelites. They had a baptism of sorts and a Lord's Supper of sorts. And yet they ended up turning to idolatry. And so they didn't enter the promised land. But the point I want to make here is he calls to the Corinthians attention, these two things together. I'll read it. Chapter 10, verse one, I would not brethren have you ignorant that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized under Moses in the cloud and in the sea. He's talking about the Israelites coming out of Egypt, right? Right. Surrounded by the wall of water on either side and the cloud above. So that's a burial in water like baptism. And then he goes on, he says, and did he all eat the same spiritual food and did all drink the same spiritual drink? And they drank of a spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was Christ. I think clearly here, the illusion is the parallel here is to the Corinthians eating the Lord's Supper. It's interesting that in the next two chapters, Paul is going to talk both about baptism and the Lord's Supper. Yeah. And uh, so, so here he's saying, okay, so you're baptized and you eat the Lord's Supper. Well, the Israelites were baptized after a manner of speaking and had this spiritual feast or spiritual meal, the rock that followed them, the water out of the rock and the manna from heaven. And yet they did not remain faithful. They turned to idolatry, among other things. So don't make that mistake. But the point that I want to stress here is Paul brings those two ideas together, the baptism and the Lord's Supper. So when, if, you, if any, anybody's out, listening, out there listening to this webcast today, this is the point I want to get across. If you believe that, that those who are baptized into Christ's death are those who have fellowship with God, uh, that's, that's the people with whom you need to be eating the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is a reflection of a communion that God's people have through Jesus Christ with God, the, a communion they have with his blood and his body, that they share in that. And I don't share in that with somebody who's not in Christ, somebody who hasn't been baptized in Christ. I have a responsibility to be sharing in that. So I, it's not as if I can just say, well, I'm, I'm a Christian. I got baptized. I don't know if I want to go to church anywhere or not. Uh, well, I, I'll go to church, but I don't really want to go to some place where they eat the Lord's Supper. on the first, Or I'll, I'll go to some place where they occasionally eat the Lord's Supper, but it may be people who haven't been baptized into Christ. All of that is making a mockery of the idea of fellowship. It truly is. It, and, and again, it, it all goes back to that idea of, well, but, but I say that I am, you know, 
if, if I'm not doing what God has said, then I'm walking in darkness and my sins are still with me. Yeah. All right. So if you are one of God's people and you're listening to the webcast today, if you've been baptized into Christ, then you need to be seeking out other people who have been baptized into Christ, not just other people who've gotten sprinkled or other people who've got baptized to join a denomination. You need to be seeking out people who actually are in Christ. And then you need to be eating the Lord's Supper with those people because that's what Jesus did. So I guess that's, that's the webcast for today, if that makes sense. Did we have any more comments that we didn't get to? Uh, no, I believe that that's all of them. All right. Well, appreciate those of you who watched it live. And of course, there are others who watch this as a podcast. Um, feel free to send us comments, questions by email. And Lord willing, we will see you next week, right? Joe, you'll be back home in the States then. Yes, I will. Yep. All right. All right. Thanks, Jeff. All right. Thank you.